the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is my time. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. And now, here's Roger. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, a program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Friends, it's great to be with you today. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you. I have a great show for you today. We'll get right into it in just a moment. First of all, of course, I want to let you know that the Roger Franklin Williams Show is presented by Christner's prime steak and lobster and of course Christmas is where you'll find prime cuts of beef and cold water Australian lobster served in an atmosphere of old school elegance and sophistication and you'll be hearing more about them later in our show but of course as you've been hearing all month long on our stations the new AM 950 and FM 94.9 the answer May is military appreciation month and of course as you, our regular listeners know it's uh Military Appreciation Month every week on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. But we are especially pleased to have a special guest joining us on today's show. And he is truly an expert, uh, truly uh, one of the foremost authorities in the state of Florida on World War II history and the history of World War II. Tom Tart will be joining us today. He was born, he's a native of Jacksonville, Florida and a graduate, highly decorated graduate of the University of Florida. He also has a degree from Stetson University School of Law, and he served as a practicing attorney for over 40 years, especially and well-known, being well-known as the attorney for OUC in the city of Orlando. But in addition to his professional and academic background, as I said before, he has um, – He's widely acknowledged as a true authority on the history, on American history in general, but especially the history of World War II and especially the history of World War II as it relates to the state of Florida. So please join me in welcoming to our program, Tom Tart. Tom, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Roger. Today is a special day because a week from Monday is Memorial Day, and it's the day we commemorate in America as a holiday those men and women who died serving our country in the military. It started three years after the war between the states when, during the war, ladies in Mississippi decorated the graves of their fallen soldiers. But because of the war, Union families weren't able to visit those soldiers that fell for the North in Mississippi, and those ladies placed flowers on both sides, North and South. Three years after the war, one of Sherman's top generals, John Logan, started what they what they then called Decoration Day, and today it's a national holiday. And I wanted to talk about my meeting and having 
close contact with so many heroes from Florida who served us 76 years ago in World War II. We talk about what did Florida do? Well, guess what? In 1940, we had eight bases. But in 1943, Roger, we had 172 bases in Florida. 2.1 million soldiers, sailors, and flyboys trained at those airfields and Navy bases in Florida. And over 300,000 civil defense workers served our state. And if I told you German submarines sunk 40 ships off of Florida between 42 and 43, you'd have to check the record book. But check it. Germany owned the coast of Florida, but they kept it quiet because our Navy was on the bottom of Pearl Harbor and the rest of them were ferrying soldiers to England. And then would you believe during the war, 24 POW, German POW camps were set up in Florida housing 10,000 German soldiers. One of them was right here in Orlando and another one right outside of Leesburg. But the more important figure is those men that laid their life down so that we could be free not on Monday week, Memorial Day, but every day. 2,400,000 Americans were killed in World War II. Only the Civil War maxed that number. And you said, well, what about in Germany and what about in Russia? Sixty million people died in World War II. Now, that's military and civilian. Soviet Union suffered the highest number. Twenty-five million Soviets, both soldiers and civilians, died. And the Chinese were second. They lost 20 million people. So although we lost a large number, 400,000, it's small and pale in comparison to what the Soviets and the Chinese lost. Even Germany only lost 4 million soldiers and civilians, and the Japanese, 3 million. It was our training, our aircraft, our tanks, our tactics that gave us that low casualty rate. So today I'd like to talk about nine heroes of Florida who didn't get the Medal of Honor, but who deserve our recognition on Memorial Day and every day. And the first like of those talk is about three here, Roger, and then when you have your break, Captain Colin Kelly, the first hero of the world war out of Clarkville in the Philippines. The Japanese hit Pearl Harbor a day later, which was the same day, but a day later on the calendar, they hit Clarkville. Colin Kelly was one of the few bomber pilots to get airborne with two other planes to go against the invading Japanese fleet. He found the fleet. He only had three bombs on board, and he hit one of them. He had a hole in one. He put a hole in the Japanese flagship, which the commander, rather than than sink and lose his men, grounded the boat on the shore. Kelly took it out. But on the way back, the Japanese air Navy Air Force was looking for him, and without fighter escort, they attacked his single B-17 north of Clark Field. He got on fire. So what did that brave Florida captain from from Madison do? He said, guys, bail out, and I'm going to hold the stick. They all bailed out, and while he held the plane steady, the last one parachuted, not Colin Kelly. The plane crashed, and he was killed. Later, they named Kelly Air Force Base for him, the first hero of World War II from Madison. The most beautiful monument in Florida is there 
in the courthouse square. I invite you to see it on Highway 9. The second hero is the only one not from Florida, but who spent his great years here in Florida, none other than Colonel Jimmy Doolittle. He took 80 brave men in 16 planes to Eglin, Fort Walton, Florida. And there, with the help of a Navy instructor, he taught Army pilots how to take off a twin-engine B-25 from 400 feet of an aircraft carrier. They practiced on a secret field at Eglin, and I was blessed to have put the historic marker there so generations could go see where those brave men did the impossible. They could take a bomber off in 400 feet. There, in the spring of 1942, we struck back. Doolittle from the aircraft carrier Hornet sent 16 planes to five Japanese cities. They thought they were invincible. Well, not against Doolittle's flyboys. He and the rest of those pilots dropped their bombs and put Japan into the first fear they had had since they so many of our sailors at Pearl Harbor. And the, and the last soldier I'd like to speak about from Florida before we take a break is none other than Seminole High, Stanford Captain Jack Bolt. He graduated from Seminole High, was an athlete there. His family worked at the Chase Fertilizer Company in Sanford. Jack went to the Pacific and became the executive office of the famous Pappy Bowington's Black Sheep that was immortalized by television. Jack became an ace as a marine pilot there in the islands of the Mariana. But what's more importantly, he came back in 1950, lent to the Air Force by the Marines to fly in Korea, the F-86 jet against the Russian and North Korean pilots. And there in Meg Alley, Jack once again became an ace. Jack is the only pilot in the history of this country who wore the Marine uniform that became a double ace, an ace in World War II, and yes, Jack became an ace in there in Korea. He died a few years ago living in, in uh, New Smyrna, and I went and heard his, his Memorial Day speech at New Smyrna a few years ago, and it was fantastic. He was a non-assuming guy who I knew on a first-name basis who went off to war and served in the Pacific and then later in Korea. Jack Bolt is one of my heroes. Roger, if you need to take a break, we can, or I can go on. Yeah, we're up on, near our next break. Friends, we're glad you're joining us today on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. We're speaking with Attorney Thomas Hart, Thomas Tart, and he, of course, is an authority on history of World War II, specifically the history of World War II as it relates to the state of Florida. And we are talking, he's sharing with us and giving us great information about some true heroes in the in World War II, who had who accomplished extraordinary deeds of heroism, who were from the state of Florida. Um, we'll go back to Thomas Tart when we come back from our break in a moment. But right now, I want to let you know about the guys up at Apopka Moore and Equipment Repair. Of course, as you know, that's where they sell the best and they fix the rest. And throughout the entire spring and this su- spring and summer, Apopka Moore and Equipment Repair has everything that you'll need to be your one-stop center for all of your lawn and garden needs. Of course, they're located 2975 West Orange Blossom Trail. That's Highway 441 on the north side of Apopka between Plymouth Reno Road and the 429. So get up and see Mike and Kyle and Brett and Thor and 
all the great guys at Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair. And please tell them Roger Franklin Williams sent you. I also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Florida Door Solutions. And as you know, Florida Door Solutions supports our program and all the programs you hear right here on the new AM950 and FM94.9, The Answer, and our messages of patriotism and support for our free enterprise system. Florida Door Solutions also supports our military veterans and all who served wearing the uniform of the United States of America. Well, friends, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue to be joined by Attorney Thomas Tart, authority on the history of World War II. And we're going to talk about some more. Tom's going to share with us some more outstanding American heroes who performed heroic deeds, extraordinary heroic deeds in World War II who are from the state of Florida. So please stay with us. Well, friends, welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Hope you're enjoying the program. It's great to be with you today. Of course, the Roger Franklin Williams Show is a program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Of course, coming under attack and increasing uh, you know, ferocity <laughs> pretty much uh, every single day. Um, and we'll be talking about that a little bit later in our program and maybe some rays of hope out there. Uh, but right now we're talking about men who literally gave their lives and risked their lives to defend our freedom, our f- freedom and our security, and the freedom and security of the United States of America. And they are American war heroes from World War II, specifically who served in who, – who came from the state of Florida. Our guest is World War II authority Thomas Tart, attorney Thomas Tart. Of course, he was a longtime attorney for – Orlando Utilities Commission in the city of Orlando, and he has a distinguished academic record at both the University of Florida and Stetson University. Before we go back to Tom, I want to, of course, give a shout-out to our friends over at Sheeler Auto Repair and especially let you know that if if you're looking for a place that will care for your car, truck, SUV, any other vehicle that you might own with old-school honesty, integrity, and dependability – I strongly encourage you to get over to see Demetrius and Odysseus Virgos at Sheeler Auto Repair. No big job is too big or too small for the guys at Sheeler Auto Repair. You can trust the guys at Sheeler Auto Repair. In fact, that's where I take my car. I've been taking it there for 20 years. They're located 1908 South Orange Blossom Trail, Apopka. And please tell them Roger Franklin Williams sent you. And I also want to give a quick shout out to our friends, Vito and Rhonda over at Network Sound and Video. And, of course, they can make your memories last forever, regardless of what kind of outdated media they may be on right now and regardless, in most cases, of how badly, how, what bad condition they might be in. And especially, as you already know, but I especially want to share on this today's special program, that Vito and Rhonda and all the great people at Network Sound and Video support our United States military, active duty, and all who served. Network Sound and Video. You can find them, of course, at 2520 Ronald Reagan Boulevard in Longwood. You can call them at 407-834-8555 or just visit them online 24-7-365 at Network Sound and Video. 
www.attorneytomastart.com. Now let's go back to Attorney Thomas Tart, authority on the history of World War II, talking specifically about World War II heroes who are from the state of Florida. And Tom, you shared some great insights about three outstanding World War II war heroes, Captain Colin Kelly, Colonel Jimmy Doolittle, who of course isn't from Florida, but as you said, you'll claim him since because of the time that he spent in Florida. And then also Captain Jack Bolt of right here near us in Sanford. Uh, now we've got three more heroes for this segment. Can you uh, share those with us, please? Yes. Before I do, I might point out, Roger, that over 16 million Americans, men and women, served in World War II. Many of those women were assistant pilots bringing planes from the Boeing factory, and some of them actually flew the Atlantic uh, to, to resupply planes to England. Florida had 280,000 men and women serve in World War II, of which 50,000 were African Americans. The famous Tuskegee Airmen out of Tuskegee near Auburn in Alabama, they trained at the Tallahassee Airport. And, of course, they are one of the great fighter squadrons of Italy. And thank God Eleanor Roosevelt, she got them into combat with her persuasion with her husband, the president. But we move forward, one of the most courageous events ever was D-Day, June 6, 1944, where we, British and Americans and a few French, tried to get a foothold on Europe. There were Utah and Omaha beaches manned by the Florida troops, I mean Florida divisions, many of which had trained here in Florida. At Utah Beach, which was not made famous by the movie Private Ryan, a young colonel stepped ashore. He was the first colonel to step ashore on Florida. He had been the captain, excuse me, he had been the coach at the University of Florida in 1923. And there he coached the Gator team for two years. And here, as a young colonel, he went into the machine gun raked beach of Utah Beach. His commander was none other than Teddy Roosevelt, Jr., the president's son. Roosevelt came ashore and said, Colonel, what we got here on this Florida beach, Colonel Van Fleet? He said, General, it's not bad. We landed in a weak spot, not like those boys down at Omaha. I suggest that you send the troops here because of this weak spot. Believe it or not, Roosevelt, because they had lost their lead ship, was about to send the troops somewhere else and said, but based on the Florida colonel, Van Fleet, Florida football coach, he brought his troops there, and there they went ashore. Fast forward to Korea. MacArthur in subordination against President Truman, is fired. And who did they put as commander of the army in Korea? None other than Bartos James Van Fleet, who I met at a homecoming event when I was on the football team in Florida. Van Fleet Trail here in West Orange County is named after Van Fleet. What a courageous day he had on D-Day, and more importantly, what a great deal he fought in Korea to win us a stalemate there as a four-star general. Moving what, ahead... Well, one other thing, I'll, ju- I'll just jump in about uh, 
General Van Fleet as well. You know, you mentioned brief. He, I believe, spent two years as a head football coach at University of Florida. If I'm not mistaken, he's got one of the the best winning percentages of any coach Absolutely, in the history. Absolutely, Roger. Next to my teammate Steve Spurrier from Johnson City, Tennessee, Van Fleet had the winningest record for those two years of any coach in Florida history until my teammate Stephen Orr Spurrier comes along to Gainesville back as a coach. Van Fleet is uh, went to Bartow to Summerlin Institute, named after Jacob Summerlin, the uh, fellow who gave us Lake Eola. So he started Summerlin Institute down in Bartow. James Van Fleet graduated from there, then went to West Point, and then came back as a coach. But on D-Day, he landed at Utah Beach, and with the help of Teddy Roosevelt, Jr., who died a few weeks later, he moved the troops ashore. What a great day for America. You know, we talk about Florida. Not only did we have 172 bases, they spent over $1.4 billion in war contracts in Florida. Can you imagine Florida, little old Florida, having those bases and repair shops and boats? building facilities in places like Jacksonville and Tampa and Panama City, but even right up here in the land on the St. John's River, they built PT boats. Now, moving forward, we've we got to talk about the Tuskegee Airmen. They trained there at Tallahassee, and none other than Pensacola's Chappie James was one of their pilots that went to Italy and distinguished themselves as great air crews fighting the Germans and protecting our bombers as they went north into Germany. In, in 1945, we had one of the toughest battles America's ever fought, Iwo Jima. There, that island separated our bomber bases from Japan. We had to knock out that Japanese airfield on Iwo Jima. And there, the Marines came ashore. And, and it's the only battle that I know of in World War II that our casualty rate, the American casualty rate, was higher than that of, of the Japanese. Iwo Jima, we had over 20, uh, 23,000 casualties. Japanese had 20,000 soldiers killed on that little island about the size of uh, the Central Park in New York City. After the second day, we took the south end of the island, Mount Sarabachi. And there, a young sergeant from Monticello, Boots Thomas, carried in his Marine blouse an American flag. With his squad of men, he fought his way to the top of that volcano. And at 10 a.m., with the Japanese water pipe, planted the American flag to say, we've come here to win this war and take Japanese soil, because Iwo Jima was part of Japan. Every ship with their binoculars saw that flag go up, and every ship sounded their horns. And on the shore, the Marines had been fighting for days then, three days. They fired a rifle salute. A Marine colonel down below realized that the flag was small, so they took a flag off of a Navy ship and sent it up with the second group of Marines in Boots' company. They got to the top. Boots then took the American little flag down and the big flag put up by five of his men simultaneously a few feet away. 
became the symbol of Arlington Cemetery, the Iwo Jima Monument, where seven Marines hoist that flag to tell the Japanese, we're going to win this war, and it's starting right here on Iwo Jima. What a courageous act. The Admiral was so impressed, not of the photograph shoot at 2 in the afternoon, which they made the monument out of, but after what Boots Thomas did, he took Boots out to his flagship and said, I want you and the men that put up the original flag to go home and sell war bonds. Boots said, no disrespect, Admiral, but it took me three years to get in the war because I'm colorblind, and I'm not going to let my men down, and you can bust me back to a private, but I'm going to stay here and fight. The Admiral obeyed Boots' request and let him stay. A week later, Boots Thomas was shot by a Japanese sniper. If you go to Madison, Florida, excuse me, Monticello, Florida, on Highway 90, going towards Tallahassee, the people of that little town of Monticello have recreated the flag raising at 10 that morning with Boots Thomas holding the bottom of the flagpole. Stop what wonderful history we have to take from break now for our next break. Friends, we'll be right back on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now back to the studio. Here's Roger Franklin Williams. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Glad you're joining us today have a little bit of a special program today. Of course, as you know, our entire radio stations are highlighting the fact that the month of May is Military Appreciation Month. We have our program is dedicated to that theme as well today. And our guest, our special guest is Attorney Thomas Tart. Of course, many of you know, was a long time, served as a long time attorney for Orlando Utilities Commission in the city of Orlando. And of course, he's also a noted authority on World War II history. Tom is joining us today to talk about some outstanding men, war heroes in World War II who did tremendously heroic deeds, all who have strong association with the state of Florida, six of them Florida natives. In a moment, we're going to go back to Attorney Thomas Tart. Right now, though, I want to, of course, give a shout-out to our friend Dr. Patrick St. Germain, all the great people at St. Germain Chiropractic, and let you know that Dr. Patrick St. Germain has been voted best chiropractor for now 16 years in a row. So when you're in pain, I urge you to get over to see Dr. Patrick St. Germain and all the great people at St. Germain Chiropractic. Also, want to let you know, and I know that many, if not all of you, already know about Thompson Jewelers because of the great support they give to our stations in so many different ways. But, of course, if you might not know that Thompson Jewelers is Orlando's longest-serving consecutive jeweler. Founded in 1948, Thompson Jewelers has served the people of the city of Orlando, of Orange County, and of Central Florida with great service, great personal family service, and top-quality jewelry at affordable prices. encourage you to get over and see them. They're located, have two great locations here in town. And the first one, of course, is over in the Colonial Plaza, which was, of course, Orlando's very first mall at the corner of East Colonial and Bumby. 
And you also, they're also located in Kissimmee St. Cloud, right on the line between Kissimmee St. Cloud on Highway 192 and the Hobby Lobby Shopping Center. Thompson Jewelers. Now let's go back to Attorney Thomas Tart talking about World War II heroes who are, who are from and natives of the state of Florida. And Tom, anything you need to finish up on with, with Boots Thomas of Monticello? Yes, Boots Thomas was quite a guy because he was colorblind and was flunked out of Officer Candidate School, had to go to Paris Island where he was a drill instructor, and that's where I got to, I played football with a fellow from Monticello, Coach Max Belinsky, and that's where I got to know the, the doctor up there who was Boots' best friend in high school and talked about him like a brother. What a great hero. But, you know, it would be reminisce on my part not to mention one of the great women of aviation, Jacqueline Cochran from Pensacola, my father and grandfather's home. She set all the aviation records before World War II and went and helped the British train women pilots to ferry planes. Well, guess what? Hap Arnold said, Jacqueline, we need you to come back to Florida and the United States and help us train the WASP, Women's Auxiliary Air Force. And there she trained pilots who flew the Atlantic to ferry planes over to England later in the war. What a great American. She died in 1980, but she served her country, the president and the head of the, of the military, very, very well. And, of course, we should never forget the guy who ended the war. I got a call at Orlando Utilities one day from a buddy of mine. said, what are you doing Saturday? I said, well, the Gators aren't playing. I'm not doing anything. He said, how would you like to meet in Kissimmee the guy that won World War II? And I laughed, and I said, well, Eisenhower's buried out west, and the admiral himself, uh, the, the head of the, the Navy, I mean, head of the military, Mac is buried in Norfolk, and Audie Murphy's at, at uh, Arlington. How am I going to meet the guy that won the war? He said, the guy that won the war. I said, that's what I'm talking about. He said, Paul Tibbetts is going to be in Kissimmee, Saturday, signing his book, Anola Gay. So I called a retired OUC pilot who had flown as a backup left seat for Colonel Tibbetts in Utah when they trained with those uh, B-29s, the big bomber, to deliver the bomb. And when they went to the Pacific, my buddy flew combat missions flying Vox's car, who dropped the bomb on Nagasaki, and Enola Gay, who dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. This was before. So when we got there, we got there late because the colonel wanted to stop and get coffee and then hit the the boys' room before we got to Kissimmee Airport. Everybody was gone. Thank God, Colonel Tibbetts was still there. And he came in and said, you boys are a little late, aren't you? I said, well, no, sir. He said, you came to buy my book, didn't you? Nope. What are you here for? I said, I brought Colonel Shout to say hello to his old commander, you. Well, he had heard that story a million times at cocktail parties. He said, Colonel Shout, who was your wing commander? He said, Colonel so-and-so. He said, who was your squadron commander? He said, Lieutenant Colonel so-and-so. He said, darn, those are my boys. Go get a chair, you two guys, and sit down here. And I spent, Roger, 45 minutes interviewing the guy that dropped the bomb that ended the war in the Pacific, Colonel Paul Tibbetts from Carl Gables. He went to the University of Florida before the war and learned to fly to the grass strip manned by the um, civilian instructors 
out past the medical center today. And then in the summer, he would fly uh, down there in, in Dade County and later transferred to school in Ohio where he dropped out and became a pilot. He told me he flew the first mission of the war by anybody out of Europe. I'm thinking only in a Disney movie, he fly the first mission of the war and then the next to last one in, over Japan. Sure enough, I'm up at the Air Museum there in Savannah, Georgia, by Interstate 95, and I, there's a picture of the first bomber crew to go to Europe with our American crew out of England, and darn it, Paul Tibbetts wasn't up in the cockpit. So he was correct. And, of course, Paul Tibbetts dropped the bomb and told me the fabulous story, not so much of him, but the second plane, Box's car, named after Captain Box, who dropped second bomb on Nagasaki, which was the backup target. That was a dangerous mission, and but for an act of God, they got back to Tinian. So I celebrate all of these heroes. We paid a terrible price in this country with thousands of lame men. Uh, of those 400,000 killed, we should remember them because that's who we honor on Memorial Day. And we should never forget the brave Floridians that put on sailor and soldier and Army Air Corps gear and went out of this state to save on two fronts this country to have the freedom that we enjoy today. Well, thank you for being here to share a little bit about some extraordinary American heroes, all who have strong Florida connections, most of who are actually from the state of Florida and a great learning experience. Tom, we've got about two more minutes. Anything else you'd like to share in closing? Yeah, there is. You know, the easy thing to me have done, instead of talking about seven uh, Floridians who didn't get the Medal of Honor, and I'm including Doolittle, I looked up the Medal of Honors, and there were seven given. One of them was none other than Army Major Tommy McGuire from Sebring, Florida. Tommy McGuire shot down 38 Japanese planes in World War II in the Pacific, and then on one of the last missions of the war, saving his wingman, his wings came off and he was killed. McGuire Air Force Base in New Jersey, named for that great Floridian from Sebring, Florida. And then we should never forget uh, the Army <laughs> Private James Mills from none other than Fort Meade, right down here in Pope County, who got the Medal of Honor in Italy. I was at an event at Lake Eola 30 years ago. He was there with a walker, and I went over and introduced myself, and thank you for serving our country. And you talk about a noble and a, a humble private, James Mills from Fort Meade was one of those. What a great Central Floridian who got the Medal of Honor. And, of course, we should never also forget uh, David McCampbell from West Palm Beach, who was a Navy pilot and sunk, I mean, sunk, shot down 34 Japanese pilots. Four behind Tommy McGuire, but still a Medal of Honor winner. He did survive the war and come home. So we're blessed to have those Medal of Honor winners, those seven, eight Floridians I talked about, including General Doolittle, to put in our Hall of Fame on this Memorial Day a week from Monday. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it was that Sergeant Smedley from Orlando who, who won the Medal of Honor. Is that correct? Who is that? Uh, I believe it's Sergeant Smedley. 
I'm not sure. He's not one of the Floridians. He may have come and moved to Florida, as so many people did, but he's not one of the seven uh, soldiers and airmen who got the Medal of Honor from Florida. And we'll have to find out more about him, because I've certainly read a lot about him, and his name's on the highway, so we definitely and won't. They could have. Uh, recently, they've done a lot of uncovering of records, and they've given medals out later after the war and recently for uh, others who who should have gotten it and who now have gotten it and given. Yeah, well, he, he was actually me, Vietnam. He was he was Vietnam, not World War Two. Oh, Vietnam. Yeah, okay, good. But well, you know, it's great to be with you today, and and I want to leave you and your audience with these words: <clears throat> Florida's got a great history, but. We had remarkable men and women in 1941 through 45, and they took on the challenge of their life. And uh, that challenge sometimes cost them their lives. For that reason, we should all be grateful to be Americans, but more particularly to have lived in a time that we are free. And uh, that price was paid 76 years ago by those men and women. Couldn't say it better. Thank you for being here to join us, Attorney Tom Tart, authority on the history of World War II, with some wonderful, uplifting stories about American heroes from our state of Florida and their heroic actions in World War II. Friends, we're going to go to a quick break. Please stay with us on the Roger Frank and Williams Show. Thank you, and God bless all of your audience. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Really hope you enjoyed the great insights, that great history from Attorney Thomas Tart about outstanding personal accounts of extraordinary heroism and bravery by seven men who have strong Florida ties, most of them being Florida natives who performed heroic deeds in World War II, all of which contributed greatly and directly to the Allied victory in World War II. We'll continue to talk about that in um, a moment, and of course a couple more thoughts I'd like to share with you before we leave you today. But first, of course, I want to give you another word about our friends up at Apopka Moore and Equipment Repair and let you know as we get deeply into spring and summer I want you to know that Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair is your one-stop center for all of your lawn and garden needs. Anything that you need in terms of repairs, even information, and insights into how to care for your lawn and garden, uh, you can find at Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair. And, of course, when it comes to power equipment, uh, outdoor and indoor, outdoor power equipment, and lawn mowers, they popcorn more equipment repairs where they sell the best and they fix the rest. They're located at 2975 West Orange Blossom Trail. That's also known as Highway 441 on the north side of Apopka between Plymouth Reno Road and the 429. And make sure you please tell them Roger Frank and William sent you. Wanted to um, 
just wrap up a little bit about the the great insights that Tom Tart shared. And one thing that I couldn't help but think about as he was just talking about these extraordinary acts of bravery and heroism on the part of the seven men he talked about today, but also as we as we all know, there, there were literally hundreds of thousands of American fighting men in World War II that performed extraordinary acts of heroism and bravery. Just being there, just uh, listening, or even those that were drafted, just being in harm's way, serving in the armed forces in World War II, even for those that did not see combat. Um, every single man, everything, and woman, every single person who enlisted, who served, enlisted or drafted, knew going in that they very well could at some point be in a situation where they would die. And that's the kind of decision-making, that's the kind of courage, those are the kind of people that our country had back during the World War II era. And one, one, I guess, sad, if not depressing thought that I had was comparing the people, the population, if you will, 100% of it, um, say in 1940, if you will, or 1945 or 46 um, in America, to the population we have now. And I don't want to go off on that tangent. I'll just uh, keep my thoughts to myself, and I'm sure you've got your own thoughts. Um, but I certainly, um, you know, certainly I think that I think the I think our society today is, is lacking, if you will, when we compare it against and measure it against the the, the greatest generation. And like I said, I'm not going to go off on that tangent because it is too depressing, but just kind of wanted to share that thought with you for whatever it's worth. And one other point I do want to make, though, is that you know, the phrase, of course, the greatest generation has been originated to honor and to just recognize and to describe. So that's a better way to describe the, the men and women who fought World War II. And, um, of course, not just World War II. They, they, were, they, were, they were products of the Great Depression. They were born into a situation where there was um, uncommon poverty and hardship, and it was an uncommon economic struggle. And, you know, that, that, that's what their adolescent years were like, teenage years. Then, next thing you know, there's a worldwide war, which they went in and fought and won. And then, next thing you know, um, they came home and, and, and were, the, were the, the fuel, if you will, that produced the, those, who, those who did return. Um, the greatest economic expansion, the greatest economic prosperity the world had, in a, had ever known um, as they begin to get, get into their career and, 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 and spend the rest of their lives through the 50s and 60s. So anyway, it was great to once again revisit wonderful, uplifting stories of extraordinary courage and heroism and patriotism. And I appreciate Tom Tart for being here to, to share those great things with us and about those great men and women. Now, I do want to take a shift and go back to our regular theme of, re, of well, pretty much since the election of 2020. And, and, and I do want to let you know also that it, it's been gratifying to, to have so many great, such great feedback. You know, I get feedback from many of you on a regular basis uh, or even on a random basis, and I always love to hear from you. But, but one thing I'm getting from that is that, you know, I think it's important for us to continue to talk about the incredible challenges we are facing now to our basic God-given constitutional freedom and liberty. 
And, you know, I've said before, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. But, you know, one of the most frustrating things about it is is so it's a feeling of helplessness. Because obviously what we're dealing with are powerful forces who not only do not share our American point of view, our traditional American values point of view, they have the opposite point of view. Um, they have literally Marxist, leftist points of view. Of course, I'm talking about, you know, first and foremost, the the the, the primary uh, mainstream media in this country, of course, talking about huge parts of Washington, uh, leadership of the Democrat Party, um, at the very least, the leadership, let's put it that way, um, pretty much most of Washington, uh, academia, without a doubt, could go on and on and on. So, and, and, and most recently, corporate America, um, large segments of, of corporate America. So that's the situation we're in. I don't think it does any good to stick our heads in the sand and pretend it doesn't exist. I think we need to need to acknowledge it, identify it, and and think about what we have to do to push back and to you know to keep from just getting pushed completely off of the into the ocean, if you will, and have our all of our rights completely you know, eradicated. And along those lines, there there's some good news this week. And, and once again, along those lines, I would strongly encourage you. I know m- many of you, if not most of you, um, already do this. Listen to Charlie Kirk every night. I mean, the educational value of this young man is extraordinary, and he's taking on these issues, these issues of wokeism, of Marxist, leftist, Democrat in uh, influence in our major institutions, growing and expanding. And in expanding to the point where it, it's inhibiting and 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 flushing out uh, free speech in America, um, he's on top of it and he's pushing back and he's fighting. And you can learn a lot about how you can participate in just doing what we can do um, to you know preserve our freedoms. Uh, also, the Dennis Prager show, of course, Dennis Prager's been been uh, you know a, a beacon, a stalwart beacon for years now. But many of the things that he uh, talked about. Six, eight, ten years ago, that people either didn't take seriously or even you know, thought he was uh, you know off on the deep end or something. You know, sadly, are, are coming into fruition. So that's one thing that I'm doing is I'm listening to the Charlie Kirk show and I'm listening to the Dennis Prager show, and of course our friends over at the American Adversaries as well. Um, you know, d- d- do an outstanding job here locally of just giving information um, that we can all learn in our community, if you will, of those who want to preserve our God-given constitutional freedoms and liberties. One of the things I learned about from the Charlie Kirk Show, and this is development I've just learned this week, was an organization called ConsumersResearch.org, and they specifically are pushing back against corporate America, who the wokeism, if you will, the, which is in another word for leftism, le- Marxist leftism, um, that so many corporate entities are adopting now, including, of course, Coca-Cola, American Airlines are two of the most egregious, Major League Baseball, obviously, NFL, obviously, Nike, uh, top of the list. That's five off the top of my head. Um, but anyway, you know, instead of just sitting there and taking it, um, com- consumers research is got an organized agenda, if you will, and you can find out more at consumersresearch.org. That's consumersresearch.org. And you're going to be hearing more about them on our show because they're doing essentially what I've even suggested on this show. It's just an idea that I was throwing out 
and that is organizing and confronting and pushing back against corporate America specifically. And and one thing that they're doing, they're producing commercials. They're producing video and audio commercials, if you will, audios and videos, audio and videos that that talk, that re, that research these companies, research all the all the negative things that they're doing, all the various ways that they don't serve their customers. In addition to getting off on some kind of leftist political uh, stance. Which, which is not in line or in sync with, with their rank-and-file uh, customers uh, who drive their profits. And and they're distributing these things. So I just wanted you to know about there, there, is, there is an organization, you know, and I know there are many, but, but there's one that's bubbled up to the top of the surface, and you're probably going to be hearing more about them, and that's consumer research, consumersresearch.org. They are doing their research. They are finding out many of the – the dark hidden things about these these fortune 500 and other major companies in corporate america that they do not want you to know they do not want the public to know because they are engaged in things that are very unsavory say the least and could possibly even be illegal and are certainly are not something you would want put in a pr campaign so that's pretty much the way that i'll leave it today is that in our quest to preserve our freedom our God-given constitutional liberties, um, the, the fight to push back and the fight to 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 preserve freedom is heavily engaged. There are great people heavily engaged in it with us: Dennis Prager, um, Charlie Kirk, of course, uh, Christopher Hart, and the, and the American adversaries. And we're getting some good air cover now from certainly at least one per, one great organization. That's consumerresearch.org. I would encourage you to go to their website, learn more about them. That's consumersresearch.org. And, of course, the best thing we can do is our own individual efforts. Do what we can as God, uh, freedom-loving, uh, God-fearing individuals. Have a great ch- Have a great day. Thank you.